Hello, listeners. We hope you enjoy this episode of Go Fact Yourself, recorded with a live audience in Las Vegas. Yeah, we're back with live audience shows in Los Angeles and would love you to be there. Please join us on Sundays, October 16th, November 6th, and December 11th, two shows each day at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. We're recording all of this at the theater at the Center for Inquiry West near Echo Park. Guests will be announced soon, along with ticket information, all at gofactorpod.com. And now, enjoy this brand new episode of Go Fact Yourself. Oh, here's me to kick it off. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? I know you do. Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? (laughs) Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the game show boot camp in Las Vegas, Nevada. Here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Helen, wonderful to see you. Wonderful to be here in Las Vegas. Now, as uh, someone who lives in Los Angeles, I tend to come to Vegas uh, somewhat frequently, but I understand you have not been here in a while. I have not been here since uh, even a year before the pandemic. So I think it's been almost four years. Almost four years. And uh, and what's kept you away? Uh, I don't gamble. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying not to hit too many buffets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sound of ding, 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 whoop, 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 ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. It doesn't appeal to me as much as uh, it might to other people. So basically, there's nothing here for yeah, me. Yeah, those are the three. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the gambling, the, the that. But there are other exciting things that you can do in Vegas. And I understand that, was it your first time that you were here? You, you, someone made you do something that maybe you Ooh. weren't that fan of. Yeah, of fan of. so my best friend and I were both living in Los Angeles at the time. And she was, I think it was her 30th birthday. It was a big birthday. And she was like, Helen... I want to go to Vegas, just you and me, girls weekend. I was like, okay, sure. Then she proceeds to make me ride every single roller coaster in Las Vegas, and I hate roller coasters. But because I am a good friend, and because it was just the two of us, I was forced to ride every single roller coaster in Las Vegas. At the time, this was maybe... 10 or 12 years ago, there are more roller coasters in Vegas than you might think. Yeah. I had no idea there were so many. There's one at the Stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me. I believe it's called the Strat now. Oh. Yes. Yes. That's a crack marketing team yes. right I'm there. I'm waiting for it to be... <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for it to be the Van Strat, but I'll, I'll check it out eventually. <laughs> yeah, there's one way up there at the Stratosphere. There's one at New York, New York. Mm-hmm. I think is a lot of people see that one. Yeah. There's like three more, which I can't remember because this was over 10 years so ago. So you did black out during the, uh, uh, during the roller coaster. When I tell you I hate roller coasters, yeah. like I am a really good friend. Yes, to, to have done a good that. friend and a good hosting partner, Helen Hong. <laughs> All right, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? She is a Jeopardy! champion, Geek Bowl champion, and 2021 World Quizzer of the Year, who reigns supreme as the queen on the chase. It's Victoria Gross! Victoria Gross! Hello. Hello, Victoria. Now, uh, did I catch you doing one of the screw in the light bulb uh, pageant waves? I can, though. You can. That's one of my many talents. You know what? That's very queen-like. Yes. It is. Victoria, I was uh, surprised and delighted to learn that you were named after a famous movie character. I was. I was. So my dad really loved the movie The Godfather. Mm -hmm. When he found out my mom was pregnant, he wanted to name me Vito Mm -hmm. after Vito Corleone. Oh. My mother said, not just no. (laughs) (laughs) then he says well okay fine how about vittoria (laughs) my mother says we are like six different nationalities and zero of those are italian (laughs) (laughs) so anyhow this is how i got the name victoria good so eventually it was an offer that uh she couldn't refuse i think she decided it was not (laughs) oh boy buckle up everybody buckle up if that's a groaner we got a long way to go (laughs) 
one of your famous moments on Jeopardy is that you actually ended somebody else's winning streak. Was I that, did. Yeah, was that extra satisfying to you, or uh, you're just happy to, to win anyway? At the time I got the call to be on Jeopardy, I had a seven-month-old daughter, Ooh. and my husband had just taken a job in an entirely different city. So oh. we were living in, in separate cities at the time oh. I got the call. No. So it was, like, it was the first time I'd been away from my daughter. I flew out like the night before, along with my sister. Like I think I was in LA for all of like 21 hours. Oh wow! So <laughs> yeah, I mean it was an absolute whirlwind. I remember very little of it, to be honest. Okay. I remember that I, I, I had brought like two Red Bulls in my giant purse, so I'm like you know chugging Red Bulls in the green room before <laughs> I air, and I get done with this match, and like I remember my heart was just kind of you know pounding out of my chest. So like. I'm then chugging chamomile tea in the cream <laughs> to try to bring my. I heart have rate never down heard of it. a person doing a Red Bull with a chamomile tea chaser. Before. There, yeah. was, there, there, there was like yeah. an entire episode of Jeopardy in between. This is like the nerd version of like doing uh, cocaine and then heroin. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> like I gotta get up, gotta speed get down, gotta get just right in the middle there. Jeopardy yeah. speedball. We call right it a velocity here. ball because it's nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you have a reputation both in the quizzing events that you've done and in the TV appearance as being a, a studier. You're someone who really studies to prepare uh, uh, for shows. Yes. And I, I find it interesting that you said that you actually never learned how to study when you first went to school. That's um, right. How did you get good at studying? So I was working in a medical school doing education research. So I actually had like all this access to research. And I was like, oh, I'll just put some of this to work. Oh, cool. Um, so you actually studied how to study I in did. order to better study. Yes. Oh, my God. I need that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know that there was like proper. Now that I think about it, I should have known that there were proper techniques to study. There are. Yeah. I grew up in a Korean household, so it was just like slaps of the flip flop to the head. That's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, I know that one of your other interests that we're not going to cover today in your topics is knitting. I, I do knit. Yeah, it actually came about as something that you like to do related to quizzing. It did. It did. So I, I've actually done knitting for probably about 20 years now. When the pandemic started, a lot of quizzing activities moved online. Mm -hmm. Generally, you're supposed to keep your hands in view at all times to make sure that you're not, you know, typing things into your computer and finding out what, what's the answer. We should have been doing this for our guests when we do our Zoom shows. I just realized this now. We've got a couple of scores I think we've got to Seriously? investigate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, so what's the, what's the protocol? Do you hold them up like a surgeon? Basically, imagine the Macarena. And every time you stop at like, you know, that's a position that people hold their hands in for, yeah. for Zoom Whoa. quizzing. Wow. I either give myself a full-on manicure or I knit. Because well, if you're knitting, yeah. you're not typing. Unless you're better at knitting or typing than I am. If you can knit and type, you deserve to win. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're so happy and we're excited to see what you're going to make of this experience. Victoria Gross, everybody. <laughs> Helen, against whom will Victoria be competing? He is one of the all-time great Jeopardy! champions with a 32-game win streak and nearly $3 million in winnings who now wins big as the high roller on the chase, it's James Holtzauer. James Holtzauer, everybody. Hello, James. Hi, Helen, I have some good news for you. I can clear up this decades-old mystery for you about why you only remember two roller coasters on your tour of Vegas, because there are two roller coasters here. Have been for decades. <laughs> but even, even back then when, when she I first came here? I've lived here God. for a long time. <laughs> wow. Is that true? What would I gain by lying about this? Can you <laughs> <laughs> oh, just embarrassing me. Now, this actually is starting to make more sense that, uh, that there are many things you don't remember, including going on multiple roller coasters. <laughs> yeah, so you know what, James? You did have a good girls' I, weekend. I completely, I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case, and that was absolutely true. Uh, two roller coasters, in my mind, feels like 15 roller coasters. That must be it. <laughs> so, that must be it. Yeah. <laughs> James, you, of course, uh, have been a professional gambler, and uh, you approach Jeopardy sort of with that point of view. Um, this method that you have, some people, some people complained about it, some people admired it very much, but it obviously it led to huge results. Do you notice that other players are using the techniques and methods that you were well known for? I think you see a little bit of it. I mean, it's all about your comfort level, I guess, because the winning strategy, you have to bet more than non-gamblers. We call them normies, are really comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
you don't see that mindset of like, oh, the, this is just, you know, they're not dollars, they're poker chips. I, mm-hmm. I, I put them in when I have an advantage and I, you know, at the end of the day, I, if I don't win, I can't cash them out anyway. So yeah. all, all this money is, all these chips are is to buy in the next pot. You so know? your experience made you more comfortable with big risks. Absolutely. I mean, you know, for one thing, you know, if you've lost... Uh, a lot of money. I won't say the amount <laughs> on on uh, some dumb yeah. referee. <laughs> yeah. In the past, you're you're conditioned to be okay with this happening again. Before you were a chaser on the chase, you were a contestant on the chase. Did you imagine that you'd be able to be on the other side eventually? You know, fun behind the scenes fact: the showrunner of the old GSN version of the chase conducted mm-hmm. a, a clandestine operation to audition me uh, to be a chaser. Oh, but, uh, it was all part of an know, elaborate ruse. Yeah, something fell through. I claim it's my lack of stage presence uh, eight years ago that caused it. But, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the producer will tell you otherwise. And uh, how is it different than you had imagined? Oh, it's so much more fun to put people down than I ever could have dreamed. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, Victoria, you're in for quite a treat tonight. <laughs> yeah, except... Amazingly, like, we have met. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's like, you know, five people in the U.S. I can't put down for their quizzing ability because they're so much more above me and you picked one yeah. <laughs> so. uh, now you are not the first person in your family to have appeared on a TV game show no my uh, my wife I kind of dragged her along to my audition for who wants to be a millionaire and they immediately latched onto her superior personality and said let's put her on the show <laughs> and she did very well yeah. that's great well speaking of that uh, you and your wife are a supporter of Project 150 which is the beneficiary of this entire uh, game show boot camp weekend can you tell us about what Project 150 is and how you got involved with it sure so this organization is a few years old they were founded they're named after 150 students at Rancho High School who uh, were unhoused or housing insecure and you know they just thought hey let's give these people everything they need they have clothes available there lovely work out there they're expanding all the time and I really think that the attention we brought to them is a great boon to this community. Last thing I want to ask you about, as I mentioned, uh, you made your living as a sports gambler. Is it true you actually were banned from a lot of the casinos that we're seeing right now in Las Vegas? Most of the strip, I think. Uh, the win still lets me in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and then you go south from there. And maybe when you get to Prim, there's a, there's a place I can go <laughs> to, get to again. The, you get to the border, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I did have to ask. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Angels baseball team. Will it ever make sense for me to bet on the Angels? <laughs> well, you know, some people got really good odds on Shohei winning MVP last year. So if you could get in on that when it was like 25 to one or something okay uh, other so, than that uh, yeah so get in my time machine go back last year yeah yeah put great, it on show here <laughs> the very practical <laughs> james holtower everybody thanks for joining us james and victoria we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise victoria you told us you know a lot about the movie the life aquatic with steve zisu am i saying that right <laughs> yes I love that. I love that James. Y'all can't see on the radio, but James is wincing and like what I assume is physical pain. That topic. I believe you, you maybe you found a soft underbelly of James' uh, trivia knowledge. This was actually not a strategic choice, but okay. yes. I will be guessing uh, Bill Murray for all my rebounds. Uh, you also said you know a lot about the musician Kishi Bashi. I, I do. And and finally, James, get ready to feel better. Oh, you also good. said you know a lot about celiac disease. Yeah. Okay, I guess that, that, I guess that wasn't a cur- as much of a curveball as I thought. Uh, whereas James, you said you know a lot about 1990s Major League Baseball, the NES game Tecmo Super Bowl, oh, and get ready to love this, nerds, The Simpsons seasons one through eight. <laughs> Universal crowd pleaser. Absolutely. And I say nerds with love. Uh, Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It is time to split, although it's very unlikely given these two, (laughs) it is time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, dealer's choice. First up in Dealer's Choice is Victoria with Dealer. Victoria, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves. Oh, is that because we have a listener recording? No, J. Keith. It's because we have a live, in-person listener submission. How about that? Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to GoFactorPod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, take it away, listener. Hello, listener. Hi, I'm Caitlin Paxton from Las Vegas, Nevada. From Las Vegas, Nevada, right here. And, and, and when this suggestion was submitted, did you imagine that we would come to your town and allow you to suggest it in person? 
Very unlikely. And then if you did, we would just assume that you'd charge like $150 because there's always a Las Vegas tourist tax. <laughs> we should have charged more. Yeah. Oh, no, Please, I didn't know about that. We forgot that. about the, the, the Vegas surcharge. We're so happy to have you here. Caitlin, what is your question? Yeah. Um, this question comes from my husband, Joshua, and me. While you can use either method to get a good deal, what's the difference between haggling and bargaining? Thank you so much for being here, Caitlin Paxton. All right, Victoria, you heard Caitlin. What is the difference between haggling and bargaining? Haggling is going back and forth between mm -hmm. you and the person that you are trying to maybe purchase something from in an attempt to make the price go down. Mm -hmm. Bargaining is is making with when you're selling something and you're offering either more stuff or less money to try to sweeten the deal for the person that you are negotiating with. All right, very well said. We have Victoria's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. James, if you don't think she's got it right, you can steal anything you want to change or add to that answer. I would like to submit the same answer, but people are waving their hands around a lot while they do it. <laughs> Well, this segment has become a bad deal. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Haggling is a negotiation you have about a price. Bargaining might be a negotiation about the price, but it can also be about anything of value to one party or the other. So if you try to get more vacation time in a job negotiation or try not to get undercoding in a new car negotiation, that is bargaining. That's right. Haggling also carries with it the connotation of being adversarial, argumentative, and possibly loud. So sometimes a civilized bargaining session can devolve into a shouting, spittle-flying haggle session, or as we call it in my family, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Helen, how did our guest do? I think I'm going to give Victoria one point mm -hmm. um, because you didn't quite nail haggling, but you did pretty much nail bargaining. All right, one yeah. point for Victoria. Can, can, can I try to convince you to give me 1.5? <laughs> you can try, yes. Go ahead. I just think that would be something of value to me. Ah, <laughs> doing a little bargaining. I Helen, are you going to go for it? I see what you did there, and I am going to say no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the art of the deal, huh? Uh, all right, up next in Dealer's Choice is James with Choice. James, while they both might help you deal with options, what's the difference between a choice and a decision? A choice and a decision. James wincing with uh, delight, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the decision is the action of uh, coming to the options, mm -hmm. which option you want, and choice is more referring to like the options themselves that you have in front of you. All right, we've got James's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Victoria, what do you think? Anything you want to add or change? So I think in, in computing, there's something called a decision problem, and I believe that this is like, it has to be a yes or no. It's like a go, no, go thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas a choice is you have two, diff you know, two or three different options of, mm -hmm. of various types, and you're selecting one among those. It could be a yes or no, I think, but it could also be like, do you want to give Victoria one point or 1.5 points? <laughs> <laughs> An excellent, excellent example. All right. Well, this segment is running out of options. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. A choice is the final option you select of the ones available to you. You make a choice. A decision is the path you take to get to that choice. Eliminating some options, doing a cost-benefit analysis, these are all parts of arriving at a decision. That's right. Now, a decision can also be differentiated as not having any real alternatives. Like you make a decision to get out of bed, the only other option being is not to get out of bed, and boy, do I love not getting out of bed. <laughs> you people should be flattered. Helen, how did our guest do? You know what? I think I'm going to give James a point. Why? <laughs> You did say decision was the action of coming to the option, which mm -hmm. is which is pretty accurate. Um, but for choice, you said it's the options themselves, and that's not quite right. So I'm going to say one point for James. All right, one point for James. <laughs> All right, and what is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the end of that round, Victoria Gross has one point, and James Holtzauer also has one point. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Oh, 
Ooh, Helen, it's about to be autumn. I love the autumn. I love the crispy leaves. I love the nice nights. And I love sitting around a campfire. But how am I going to get a campfire in the city? Well, guess what? I'm going to get it with Solo Stove. That's right, Solo Stove, because there's something special about fall that brings us close together. And with a smokeless fire pit from Solo Stove, you can create those moments easier than ever. Did you say smokeless? It's not just smokeless, Helen. It's also chemical-free because you don't have to use any sort of lighter fluid or anything. You just put wood logs in there, you light them up, the smoke goes away, and you can focus on your friends and the memories that you're creating around your solo stove fire pit. Whoa, that's like magic. It is like magic. I set one up at a party that I had the other day, and people love gathering around it. There's something that's very relaxing about looking into a fire and feeling the warmth and talking to your friends. Oh, yeah, there's something primal about it. Yes, and then we went out and hunted meat. (laughs) And they're so confident that you'll love it, they offer a lifetime warranty and a 30-day free return policy. Helen, tell them how they get one. Prepare for your best outdoor memories yet and save big during the Solo Stove Fall event. Plus, use promo code GOFACT at solostove.com for an extra $10 off. That's solostove.com, promo code GOFACT for $10 off on top of the fall event deals. Hurry, the fall event ends November 10th. Get those marshmallows roasted. Get those memories warm. Get yourself a solo stove. And we say... Thank you, Solo Stove. When was the first pregnancy test made? How many things have we left on the moon? What's the history of ASMR? Let's find out together on our show, Let's Learn Everything, where we learn anything and everything interesting. My name's Caroline, and I studied biodiversity and conservation. My name's Tom, and I studied computer science and cognitive blah, 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 blah. Mm, Did you? (laughs) (laughs) And my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine. On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh. And we get to say, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not in the trailer. Subscribe to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Victoria Gross and James Holtzauer. Once again, here's Jakey Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. All right, Victoria, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the movie The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, the musician Kishi Bashi, and celiac disease. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us what The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou means to you, Sue. I'm going to take some notes so I might get a rebound uh, somewhere in there. So, so, for James's benefit, it's a movie. Uh (laughs) It is also my very favorite movie. Very nice. Uh, And what about the movie appeals to you so much, do you think? I love the visuals. Mm -hmm. I love all of the quirky computer animated sea life. I love the music. Mm -hmm. There are some great performances in there, both from, I mean, Bill Murray is is kind of the star and and he's amazing. But like Angelica Houston, so many people. I love that. Okay, great. James is furiously note-taking right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Victoria, you also said you know a lot about the musician Kishibashi. Yes. I listen to a lot of different kinds of music, and I think like a lot of people who love music, there's like kind of gravitational centers of things you'll pretty much always like. And Mm -hmm. one of those for me is indie rock dudes who play the violin. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So I love like Beirut. I love Andrew Bird. And I also love Kishibashi, who is who's from Athens. He used to play of Montreal and possibly the best live performer I have ever seen. <gasps> All right. Whoa. Very exciting. I have to admit, I had not heard of this artist before. Me neither. Uh, before, I'm, before I'm, I'm evangelizing. An evangelist for <laughs> Kishibashi. All right. And then finally, you said you know a lot about celiac disease. I was a college student when I was diagnosed. I was you know just fairly recently dating the man who is now my husband. Uh, he was living about an hour away from me in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And at some point I was, you know, very sad about not being able to eat literally anything. So he drives to my apartment with a bouquet of flowers and a bag full of like three different kinds of gluten-free flour as a romantic gesture. I know everybody's all like, I would have told you to marry him right then, but you did. I did. Good job. Reader, I married him. (laughs) All right. Well, to summarize, Victoria said you know a lot about the movie The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, the musician Kishibashi, and celiac disease. Today, we're going to quiz you about the musician Kishibashi. (laughs) I'm expecting lots of steals here, James. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
how did you discover Kishibashi's music? I was looking for people who were kind of similar to Andrew Bird mm-hmm. and saw some recommendations on a forum and got his his first album had just come out at that time. So I've been listening to him since he started doing solo work. And uh, do you have a favorite song of his? The one that I tell people to listen to if they're interested in, if they might like his music, it's called Bright Whites. It's mm-hmm. off his first album. I kind of tell people that if they like that song, they might like the rest of his music. All right. Oh. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery on the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, James, do listen closely because if Victoria <laughs> answers incorrectly, you can steal. By the way, James, how much do you know about the musician Kishibashi? He plays the violin. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that Life Aquatic topic's looking a lot more appealing now, isn't it? (laughs) All right, here's question number one for Victoria. Victoria, many people have heard Kishibashi's music even if they may not realize it because his songs have been used in ads for companies like Microsoft and American Express and his song I Am the Antichrist to You was played at the end of an episode titled A Rick Convenient Mort on what popular adult swim show? I don't watch a lot of TV, but I have a feeling this is Rick and Morty. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Fun fact, Kishibashi also directed and animated the music video to that song. All right, here's question number two. I have a feeling you'll be able to pull this one. In addition to his work as a solo artist, Kishibashi has played in two notable bands, one featuring the name of a city, the other of a planet. Name either of these bands. I'm going to say another band that I have seen live, which is of Montreal. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of Montreal. Do you know the other? Yeah, something with Jupiter. Yeah, in the Jupiter name. One. Yeah. Jupiter One was the other one. Fun fact: Jupiter One is a reference to the failed spaceship in the '60s TV oh. show Lost in Space. Of Montreal is a reference to a failed relationship with a woman <laughs> of Montreal. <laughs> All right, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Kishibashi is known for his original works, but he's also known for his original takes on songs first recorded by other artists. But which of the following is not an artist whose work Kishibashi has covered on one of his albums? Is it Dolly Parton, Regina Spector, John Lennon, Talking Heads, or Beirut? Okay, so he did A Sunday Smile by Beirut, and he did This Must Be the Place by the Talking Heads. I feel like I've heard the Regina Spector song. So the other two options are? Uh, I believe Dolly Parton and John Lennon are the other options. I think I'm going to ask for a hint. All right, Helen, how about that first hint? Dolly Parton is an artist. He's covered on an album. Okay, that makes life much easier. I'm going to say John Lennon. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Fun fact, on his albums, he's covered Dolly Parton's Early Morning Breeze, Regina Spector's oh. Laughing With, Beirut's A Sunday Smile, as you mentioned, and Talking Heads' This Must Be the Place, Naive Melody, as you also mentioned. Uh, by the way, we did a segment about Talking Heads on episode 62 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, Victoria, you were three for three. Here's question number four. Earlier this year, Kishibashi's record label reissued his debut album in honor of its 10-year anniversary. The reissue includes original demos of all the album tracks and was available in a limited edition Tangerine Cloud version. Appropriately, how many copies was that edition limited to? Just pick a number randomly out of the air. I'm going to say 151. Helen? That is not cool. No, I'm terribly sorry. James with a chance to steal. Uh, <laughs> and this is not Price is Right. Saying yeah. 152 may not help you. Uh, 1,001. Helen? That is not correct. No, you were actually closer, James. It is 1518. 1518. Uh, the album's title, as you probably know, is 151A. If you replace that last letter A with uh, one that sounds uh, like it, you'd get 15. 151A. Tangerine. Yeah. 15, a, a, 15, 18 a, a, was what we were yeah, looking for. Okay. Fun fact, the album is called 151A. That is a riff on the famous Japanese phrase Ichigo Ichie, roughly translating to one time, one meeting. All right, no point there. You do still have a hint available for question number five. Kishibashi's first gig after graduating Berkeley School of Music was as a violinist in a traveling circus. What was the name of that traveling circus? I don't think I'd heard this. I would like a hint, please. Helen, how about that second hint? It sounds like it was owned by The Greatest Showman as portrayed by Hugh Jackman. And it kind of sounds like you're trying to make your way out of a tube containing mirrors and pieces of colored glass whose reflections produce changing patterns that are visible through an eye hole when the tube is rotated. I'm just going to say Barnum's Kaleidoscope. Helen? That is correct. We'll give it to you. Yes. Wow. 
Very nice deduction of the hand. It actually is Barnum's Kaleidoscape. That's the uh, oh, trying to get okay. out of uh, thing that we were going for there. But Barnum's Kaleidoscape, very, very impressive. Uh, fun fact, Kishibashi went on to play in another traveling circus, the New York-based Big Apple Circus. All right, Victoria, you obviously did quite well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. You guys... I didn't know people were going to do that. They're trying to raise the suspense. Yes. No, I love it. Awesome. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Here we go. Victoria, one of Kishibashi's newest projects is a documentary, which premiered just this year at South by Southwest. It's called, pardon my pronunciation, Omoriyari, and in it, Kishi revisits the history of the Japanese internment camps, improvising music along his journey. For up to three points, what is the approximate translation of the title of the film Omoriyari? On what crowdfunding site did the filmmakers raise over $100,000 for the film? And aside from composer, what credit does Kishibashi have on the film? I have not actually seen the film. I, I, I know the album because I saw the tour right after the album came out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the translation is something like Our Sorrow, something along those lines. Okay. Uh, the crowdfunding site, I'm just going to say Kickstarter. Okay. And other credit on the film. I'm going to say that he was the head researcher. Head researcher. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight via Zoom is the co-director, composer, and subject of the upcoming documentary, Omoyari. It's Kishibashi. Kishibashi. All right. Hello. Kichibashi, it's so wonderful to welcome you here. I want to start by talking a little bit about some of the things we asked in our quiz. Because we knew that we were having you two as guests, we probably made the trivia a little tougher than on our normal shows. (laughs) In fact, we made it so tough, Kishi, you actually did not know the answer to one of them. Yeah, I, I also thought that it was 151. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 it, it seemed like it was so obviously going to be correct yeah. that uh, I'm not going to ask for a hint. <laughs> yeah, I forgot how clever my label was. Yes. <laughs> we asked Victoria about the song of yours that was featured in Rick and Morty. I understand that it opened it up to a lot more people experiencing your music. How did that come to be that Rick and Morty featured that song of all of them on their show? Well, they, um, it was actually in the script. I, you know, they sent the script over and they're like, a song like I Am the Antichrist by Kishibashi plays mm-hmm. as like, you know, the whole thing. And I was like, uh, being a big fan, I was, you know, it's like no problem you're, here. You're like, I know but a I song keep... like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> was, yeah. So someone in the writer's room had just happened to be a fan. Yeah, the writer. Yeah, the writer oh, wow. put that song in there. It's very yeah. cool. How did you get into the traveling circus circuit and end up doing two of those? Just as a violinist, you know, like you don't do classical music, you really, you really don't have a lot of choices. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and we talked about the covers. It's such an eclectic mix of covers. What goes into your choice to decide to perform a cover and then to put it on a record? Sometimes when I don't have enough time or when I'm too lazy to make an album, I just do covers. <laughs> Mother necessity works. for so many artists is laziness, isn't it? What yeah. I feel like classical covers of pop songs is very in vogue right now because of Bridgerton and, and Are you talking about Bridgerton? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like do you what do you think about that? Are you annoyed by it? Is it like I started I did um, that before it was Honestly, I used to work for that company back in like twenty years ago. That's a trivia that nobody knows about. So I I made like ten albums for them like back in the day. <laughs> oh wow, neat. And uh, yeah. do you ever hear from any of those original artists? I've heard that they've heard it and they probably are fine cashing their checks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when the when the things air, just kidding. I, actually, I made a Mars Volta tribute, and that guy reached out to me, which was super cool. Oh wow! Yeah, well, let's talk about this movie Omiyari. As Victoria mentioned, you had an album before the movie came out. Uh, was that music that came as a result of the experience of that's documented in the film? Well, as a head researcher and also the only researcher uh, <laughs> in the movie, I was. Uh, it kind of it took me. Basically, it was supposed to be a, an album and a film at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was a singular artistic concept, but you know, like albums don't take five years to make or six years. So I just put the album out. Yeah, and uh, you actually call this a song film. Yep. 
Very cool. Correct. And uh, what motivated you to make this movie? It's such an interesting story and journey that you go on. Yeah, it's, it's just about history and like minority identity. I think like the time is right. People are talking about it. It's, it's on everybody's mind. So it's kind of, it's, it, I felt comfortable making it. You Can know? you uh, pronounce the movie for the title? Yes. How offensive was yeah. my pronunciation? <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced Omoyeti. Great. And yeah. uh, will people get to see it besides the, uh, I know it was at South by earlier this year. Good question. We, uh, big things are happening. Can't tell you about it, but we'll be in the whole festival season next year and then big even bigger things I hope oh very good so. you got it picked up by a, a distributor or a studio yes oh yes. very cool congratulations that's a big Thank accomplishment you. yeah we're super excited yeah we're, we're gonna make it even better now I mentioned in the question that uh, you're improvising music as you go along on this journey is that something that you usually do or is that something new for this film uh, improvisation is just something I, I've always done. Like I studied jazz violin and I, mm -hmm. and I, and I've always made stuff up. So it was, it was only natural. Yeah. And, uh, did you really find yourself motivated by the surroundings? Like that actually changed how you composed? Yeah. So a lot of the movies were about internment camps and stuff like that. And so, yeah, being there is, is very profound, but also doing the research and like, and kind of connecting with human stories. That's really the, yeah, the, that's what really makes you understand and feel. Uh, you were actually motivated by current events in deciding to want to make this film, right? So it was like the 75th anniversary of World War II and, and Pearl Harbor and all these things. And, and there was people in the Trump administration that were using the Japanese internment as a precedent for the Muslim ban. Mm. You know, it was like, look, this, is, this has been done, locking up and right. profiling like civilians. Like if that was okay, know. then this is okay. Yeah, yeah. But of course, neither are okay. <laughs> yeah. Which I couldn't, you know, couldn't really believe. That people right. would say such like things like that, you know, recently. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it. The, the, just the trailer is amazing. People can find that I know on YouTube and on the uh, film's website. You're going to be touring soon. Tell us about where you're off to and uh, when that starts. My next tour is in Europe. Haven't been there in three years. Excited to see what they're doing. Yes, you were talking earlier with Victoria about how she prepares and she studies a lot. Do you do any special studying or preparation when you're starting a tour? I do as little practicing as I can. <laughs> okay. And the hardest part is memorizing lyrics. Yeah. Oh, even um, your own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm no kidding. Forgetting stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Do you, do you get corrected by fans who are like, "You got the <laughs> lyric wrong"? Yeah, it's really embarrassing when they're like singing along and then I forget, and then I look at somebody and they're you're just like, like confused. It. Yeah. You know, you're allowed to have, remix your own work. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's it's disappointing to see their faces go from smiling to confused. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the reason we brought you here. As far as our game is concerned, you heard the question that we asked of Victoria. First, we wanted to know for that movie that Kishibashi is doing, what is the approximate translation of its title? Omoriari. Helen, what did Victoria say? Victoria said, our sorrow. And Kishibashi? Mm. Not quite. It's Omoriari is a positive word about having empathy and uh, for somebody and, and, you know, consideration for them and, and doing things. All right. Now, them. will you have empathy for Victoria and give her a point anyway? Absolutely. You will? Yes. Okay, wow! Oh, yes. wow! I have you you, ha you have just you disappointed this crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear the crowd. I just hear them clapping most of the time. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, the trivia so. folks are pulling out their pitchforks. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute. And they like, boo. Somehow that's a point for Victoria. Let's go to the next one. We next wanted to know on what crowdfunding site the filmmakers raised over $100,000 for the film. Helen, what did Victoria say? Victoria said Kickstarter. And Kishi? Well, you had two choices, Indiegogo. So, you know, I'm going to be... That was incorrect, so sorry. Oh, I'm you. sorry. No, it was Indiegogo. I'm not going to yeah. ask if he's going to give you the point anyway, because uh, we got, we, I don't, I don't want the crowd to turn against us. We don't want to riot. All good. All good. All good. We're, All right. no, we're good okay. here. We're safe. No point there. <laughs> yeah. And finally, I want to know, aside from composer, what credit does Kishibashi have on the film? Helen, what <laughs> did Victoria say? Victoria said head researcher. And? Only researcher and director, composer. All right, yes. the rector as well. Another point for Victoria. Very nice. Yes. <laughs> Victoria, while we have Kishibashi here, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to him? Uh, I just, I love your music. I, um, I have been listening to, to your music for basically your entire solo career, and um, a, a lot of your songs are very meaningful to me. Oh, wow. You have done a lot of creative work, and I remember just listening to Manchester, you know, while trying to write things and, and just, you know. Your your music makes me very happy. So thank you. Next time I'm in, I'm in Pittsburgh, you got uh, I'll get you in. I know where so. all the I know where all the good bars are too. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you go to Europe, I mean, what else is left except Pittsburgh? So of course you want to be there. We have French fries on sandwiches. Uh, Pomani Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> there's no Pomani Brothers in Europe. Kishi, it's so wonderful that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? Kishibashi.com. Kishibashi.com. Thanks so much for being here, Kishibashi. Thanks. Good luck. We got the guy. <laughs> He seemed to be the perfect expert for this topic. <laughs>
All right. Thank you so much, Helen. What is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Victoria Gross has seven points and James Holtzauer has one point with a round of questions for James coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with James about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Victoria and James will go head to head in our Fast Facts round. That's all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, I am going rogue. Uh-oh. Yeah. You know, I have this copy in front of me that Magic Spoon wants me to tell you all about how eating protein for breakfast can have lots of benefits and can be a great way to tide you over all morning. And sure, that might be true. But I am very excited to tell our audience about something that I discovered when I ordered Magic Spoon for myself, which is that you can save 25% off of the price of Magic Spoon if you subscribe Yes, I now have a subscription to Magic Spoon, and it is the best subscription of any kind that I've ever had, because Magic Spoon cereal gets delivered magically to my door uh, whenever I want it. I go for uh, about monthly or so. I get an incredible bundle of cereal, and it's something that I think our listeners would want to know, because who doesn't like saving 25% off of the price? But guess what? You can save even more than 25% off, because we have some sort of a code, which I know you'll tell us about later. But for now, you know, Helen, I know you don't like to go rogue. You like to play it straight, so why don't you just read what's right in front of you about the talking points and the nutritional stuff. (laughs) Okay, here it goes. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 140 calories, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free. It's all the freeze, and it's low-carb. You can build your own box. The nine available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, maple waffle, blueberry muffin, cinnamon roll, and s'mores. Yeah, and even more exciting, Magic Spoon brought back their cereal bars. They were so popular that they brought them back permanently. It's the perfectly convenient on-the-go companion for your cereal. They have amazing flavors, too. All right, Helen, let's tell them how do they save even more money by buying Magic Spoon and supporting our show. <laughs> Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact to save $5 off. Come on, join me. Go rogue. And that's why we say thank Thank you, you, Magic Spoon. Spoon. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I oughta... Well, gotta go! Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today! Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Victoria Gross and James Holtzauer. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Helen. All right, James, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1990s Major League Baseball, the NES game Tecmo Super Bowl, and the Simpsons seasons one through eight. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what 1990s Major League Baseball means to you. I fell into the job of professional gambling basically because I was going to try to figure out what teams were going to win anyway, and I might as well make some money at it. You know, I stopped learning stuff after 1999, as you can tell by the topics I chose. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next you said... Next, you said you know a lot about the NES game Tecmo Super Bowl. Yes, my family was very much of the opinion that, you know, you have one video game, you don't need a second one. And when you, <laughs> when, when you have one video game... Are you game, Asian? <laughs> yes. No, I, I'm an I'm Nisei. 
My mom is Japanese. Uh, uh, yes, so, uh, that yeah. makes sense. That's a very Asian approach <laughs> to uh, uh, one one game. You learn to find creative ways to run up the score, get thirty sacks in a game with the same player. You know that kind of stuff. So you, mm. you learn the the quirks of the game. Yeah, it sounds like your approach to Jeopardy as well. Maybe was based it on may, that. May have informed some later things in life. <laughs> All right, and then finally, you said you know a lot about The Simpsons seasons one through eight. Well, as we know, this show was canceled immediately after season eight. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to those oh, guys? Boy. Huh? the best show ever created until a certain point at which uh, the quality irrevocably dropped and I, I don't know what's, what did that but it, for, for a while it was the best thing we had going. Well to summarize James you said you know a lot about 1990's Major League Baseball the NES game Tecmo Super Bowl and The Simpsons seasons 1 through 8 today we're going to quiz you about 1990's Major League Baseball <laughs> Sorry Helen. I know okay. I- <laughs> Did you have a favorite team or player of that era? I grew up as a Cubs fan so uh, I don't I don't know, favorite player, maybe Ryan Sandberg. Yeah, Ryan Sandberg is my favorite player. Oh, wow. That? Yeah, yeah, I grew up as a Cubs fan as well. Are you from Chicago? Uh, yeah, I grew up in Naperville. It's like half an hour west of the uh, city. Yeah, it's not really in the city, though, like people you, who you, actually are from you Chicago. Get, you get people you know. offended if you say you're from Chicago yeah. and you're from Naperville. You've got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very curious to hear your opinion of my favorite Major League Baseball player. Who is? Greg Maddox. He, he, was, he left like two years into my fandom, but uh, yeah, he's about as good as they come. About as, as good as, as they come, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you make any big bets uh, at that time in the 90s about Major League Baseball? Well, I, I was a child at the time. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> of course, I'm not implying How that, old do you uh, think I am? <laughs> you know, well, you know, the neighborhood kids, you know, you bet a Starburst or something like that. No, this is, this is my great shame. I actually bet against the Cubs in the World Series in 2016. What? And so it was, oh. it was a bittersweet moment for me when they hosted that trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an expert in your topic, but before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints among these five questions. Now, Victoria, do listen closely because you can steal if James gets any wrong. Victoria, how much do you know about 1990s Major League Baseball? This was the only one of those topics that I would have any chance of stealing anything. All right, interesting. Well, we'll see if James gives you that opportunity. James, here's question number one. We will ask about great things that happened in MLB in the 1990s, but let's start with something bad. On August 12th, 1994, the season abruptly ended and even the World Series was canceled due to what reason? They were on strike. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. You're on the board there. Fun fact, though, strikes and lockouts had happened before. It was the first time a postseason had been canceled. In 2022, the season started late because of a lockout, but fortunately, a full season and postseason are scheduled to be played. All right, here's question number two. James, in the 1980s, no teams won back-to-back World Series, but in the 1990s, two different teams did. Name one, or more likely, both of them. Yeah, so we have the Blue Jays and the Yankees. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Fun fact, no team has won back-to-back World Series since the Yankees won back-to-back-to-back ones from 1998 to 2000. Although how you go back-to-back-to-back, it seems like you would have a stomach in there at some point, but that's not important. (laughs) All right, here's question number three. Major League Baseball experienced a lot of changes in the 1990s with the addition of four new teams, interleague play, expanded playoffs, and seven new ballparks. But which of the following venues did not open for baseball in the 1990s? Was it Oriole Park at Camden Yards, Jacobs Field, Safeco Field, Sky Dome, or Comiskey Park? By which we mean the new Comiskey Park. So let's see. I think think this is Comiskey Park 90, Oriole Park 92, Jacobs Field 94. I'm going to say Sky Dome. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Excellent reasoning there. Fun fact, Toronto's Sky Dome opened in 1989. It is now called Rogers Center, or Rogers Centre. <laughs> Cleveland's Jacobs Field is now called Progressive Field, or Progressive Field. Seattle's Safeco Field is now T-Mobile Park, and I refuse to call Chicago's Comiskey Park Guaranteed Rate Field. <laughs> Just doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, no, it does not. You guys going to Guaranteed Rate Field tonight? Oh, you gotta go to the GRF. <laughs> All right, James, you are three for three. Here's question number four. You do still have your two hints available. The MLB Amateur Draft is a chance for teams to select players with an eye to the future. Four of the top five picks in the 1997 Amateur Draft became all-stars. The only one who didn't was the number one pick that year. Who was it? Uh, okay. Well, do I want to use my hint here or not? No, I think I'm just going to roll with it. Matt Anderson. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Wow. 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 
that was, was one gonna, I had to look I was going to recommend that you take the hint. Yeah. You didn't need it. <laughs> well, also, I know, Helen, you were very eager to give this very subtle hint. Mm-hmm. What would that hint have been? It rhymes with Blat <laughs> Blanderson. <laughs> Thank you. I think, I, th- I think we've offended every trivia person in this room. <laughs> Fun fact, J.D. Drew, Troy Gloss, Jason Grilly, and Vernon Wells were the other top five picks who did become All-Stars. Matt Anderson did make the majors, unlike the number one pick of 1991, Brian Taylor. All right, you are four for four. You have a chance to go five for five, James, if you can get this one correct. To broadcast MLB games in the 1990s, CBS paid about $1.8 billion. It did not go well, as the network reportedly lost over half a billion dollars in the deal. Fans weren't too happy with CBS either, typified by the network's decision during a rain delay of an all-star game to air what reality show? I think I think I heard an audible ooh from our crowd and the toughness uh, of it. I think I'm going to take a hint here. All right, Helen, how about that first hint for James? It features an emergency phone number in the title and was hosted by William Shatner. Uh, Rescue 911. Helen? That is correct. <laughs> James Holtower is five for five. Very well done. Fun fact, that happened in the 1990 All-Star Game, where Ryan Sandberg hit the home run. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Which was the first All-Star Game to feature two different players with the same name, pitcher Greg Olson for the American League and catcher Greg Olson for the National. Neither spelled the name Greg the same way. How baseball. many worries are there to spell Greg? Well, you, put, yeah, you put an extra G, G at the G, end. G, yeah. Greg. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, is that more offensive or is guaranteed rate field more offensive? <laughs> no offense to any Gregs here. Or there's also a G-R-A-I-G from the 70s, Greg, Greg Nettles. Nettles. Yes, so. yes. And of course, you remember in his 83 Donruss card, it was uh, misprinted <laughs> as Craig Nettles. And it was, an uncorrect, it was a corrected oh. error, so the value of the... <laughs> I feel I've revealed too much about myself, <laughs> and yet exactly what people would expect. I feel like we could all take a bathroom break and come back in five minutes. All right, you obviously did very well in that round, James, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. James, it's easy to argue that the best pitcher in 1990s Major League Baseball was the one who led the decade in wins and Cy Young Awards and was later elected to the Hall of Fame. For up to three points, in the 1990s, how many wins did this pitcher have? How many Cy Young Awards did he earn? And who is this professorial pitcher? Okay, so third part first, Greg Maddox. Mm -hmm. Second part, he won four Cy Youngs in four consecutive years from 92 to 95. And... Just doing some math in my head. I will say he won 182 games in the 90s. All right, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight via Zoom is the player who in the 90s led MLB. Why does she get to meet two heroes and I only get one? This is, this is bull****. <laughs> led MLB in wins and Cy Young Awards. It's World Series champion and Hall of Fame pitcher, Greg Maddox! Hello, Greg Maddox! Thank you. How are you guys doing? Now, Greg, if I could ask you to wait for a minute as I go through some of your bona fides, for those who don't know. An eight-time All-Star, an 18-time Gold Glove winner, a four-time NL ERA leader, a three-time NL wins leader, a five-time NL shutouts leader, won a World Series with the Atlanta Braves in 1995, and elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Greg Maddox, everybody. Thank you. But does he knit? (laughs) <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, Greg, this is actually kind of ironic. Uh, we are doing the show in Las Vegas, and you live in Las Vegas. We thought we might get you here in person, but where are you now? Yeah, I'm down in California. You're we, in uh, Southern California. <laughs> yeah. Which is where we, we spend usually our are. summers down in Dana Point on the beach to try to beat the heat a little bit in Vegas, but we'll be back in a few weeks. Excellent. I understand that you spend a lot of time there on the golf course. Absolutely. Every day. Since uh, COVID hit, that's how I've been spending my time, just playing golf and enjoying being retired. Are you as competitive in golf as you were on the baseball field? Not even close. Okay. (laughs) Golf's a hobby. Golf is fun. Enjoy the guys I play golf with and uh, just go out there mainly to have a good time. Fantastic. But I do like to play good and I do like to gamble and, you know, win money out there as well. But, oh, uh, very good. All right. <laughs> you and James thing is to have a good time. Very cool. Well, as we mentioned, you live in Vegas and you are actually are active here in a charity that has a Las Vegas chapter called the Baller Dream Foundation. Tell us about that and what your connection is to it. Well, my daughter runs the uh, branch in Las Vegas and she raises money for kids with cancer. 
they do kind of different things for them. They like take them on trips, find out what they want to do. They help the older kids. I know she's taken a lot of kids to some ball games in San Diego and Arizona. We just help raise money for that and take care of the kids that need it. And uh, that organization, uh, again, is the Baller Dream Foundation that can be found at ballerdream.org. You're on Cameo, and I know that the proceeds that you get from people buying Cameo videos with you go to that organization. What kind of Cameo requests do you get? Have there been any that stood out? It's mostly just a bunch of happy birthdays or congratulations, anniversaries, stuff like that. I would say the majority of it, though, is birthday request. Okay. Uh, in the 1990s, you won a gold glove every single year that you played. It's unbelievable. Why don't more pitchers focus on fielding? It seems like such a an obvious way to improve your performance? Well, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. You know, I think it's, I know the pitchers don't hit anymore, but mm -hmm. back in the 90s, the pitchers did hit, and we also were baseball players. And, you know, that came with fielding, running the bases, yeah. and not, <laughs> not just being a pitcher, kind of like today's game is a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, we're out there to put up numbers and help our team win and not give up runs, so you might as well learn how to catch a ball and throw it to first. You are so unique in the performances that you gave that you actually are now in the Major League Baseball glossary. If the pitcher pitches a Maddox, that means it's a start in which a pitcher tosses a complete game shutout on fewer than 100 pitches. Since 1988, you have 13. Nobody else has had more than seven. Were you aware that that was something that uh, you were doing that was so special and unique? No, because I don't think they came up with that stat till after I retired. So, oh, okay. You know, I figured... 0-2 is the easiest count to get a hitter out. <laughs> yeah. And everybody else was scared to death to give up an 0-2 hit. Mm. Being from Vegas, odds and probability and all that, if 0-2's <laughs> got the lowest batting average around, then it should be the easiest time to throw a strike and force the hitter to, to swing. We described you as professorial. Uh, one of your nicknames is The Professor. Because you, like Victoria, you prided yourself on studying and, and preparing for each game. Why was that so important to you to do that? Just looking for an edge mm. was really all it was. You know, I uh, wanted to win and I would look for an edge to win. And a lot of times that showed up in the video room. You watch enough video. And I was also fortunate enough to play in Chicago and Atlanta, which were the two teams that were on TV every day. Mm. It's not like back in the 90s, we were, you know, those were the only two teams that were on every day. And I had access to more video than most players. Yeah, it's interesting to think about that because now the players are given iPads that already have everything edited in for yeah. them to look at. You actually had to go seek it out on broadcast television. Yeah, we had the VCR with the, you know, stop, speed up and <laughs> back in those days. Yeah. So towards the end of my career, we were able to do it on the computer yeah. and it got a lot easier and a lot faster. Cool. Uh, your other nickname besides the professor is Mad Dog. Do you have a preferred nickname of those two? I kind of like doggy more than you know the professor mm -hmm. you know i think uh it's more of a baseball name yeah, i can kind of see that yeah <laughs> you, you tend not to feel intimidated when you're uh, facing the professor as much as mad dog right yeah, yeah. I, I never really claimed to be a professor okay. i mean i barely got through high school in vegas and I was good at playing baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. You were elected to the Hall of Fame with over 97% of the vote. Do you ever think, what is wrong with those other 3%? Because it seems very obvious. Jokingly, of course, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of how it is. You know, there's there's just some guys that won't vote for you the first time. And Do you know their names? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where they live? <laughs> Hel Helen wants to visit him. All right, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of James. First, we wanted to know how many wins did that certain pitcher have in the 1990s? Helen, what did James say? James said 182. And? Sorry, James, it was 171. Oh, no! Uh, yeah, I think if you count postseason, I might have almost got there. I don't know why they don't count the postseason wins anyway, but I was actually impressed with how close you came. Yeah. I didn't even know the answer until they told me last night. Right. Uh, uh, all right, I'm sorry. No point there, James. Hi, it's Jay Keith after the show. Um, it turns out Greg Maddox got his stats wrong. He was more focused, I guess, on actually compiling them rather than memorizing them. He actually had 176 wins during the 1990s, so the number he gave was incorrect. It did not affect the outcome of the game, but we do strive for accuracy, so thought you'd want to know. Okay, back to the show. Thanks. Bye. All right, next we wanted to know how many Cy Young Awards did that pitcher earn in the 1990s? Helen, what did James say? James said four. And, Greg? Four was right. Four, four is correct, correct for the point. Very good. Four in a row. And finally, we want to know who is this professorial <laughs> or mad doggily pitcher? <laughs> Helen, what did James say? James said Greg Maddox. And who was it, sir? Yeah, he got that one right. Yeah. He got that <laughs> one right with him. <laughs> 
Uh, before we let you go, I don't usually do this, but you happen to mention, Victoria, <laughs> that Greg Maddox is your favorite player. Is there anything you'd like to ask or say to Mr. Maddox? Um, hi, um, Grip, the huge Braves fan. Um, so thank you for thank you. you know finally getting this World Series. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, James, is there anything you'd like to ask or say? Yeah, to Greg I, I grew up a Cubs fan. Um, I caught your last two years in Cubby Blue. Uh, I wish we had offered you some more money in that off season. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think a lot of Cub fans do, and I, I'm guessing you did too. <laughs> Thank you. I just wish they would offered me a contract. Yeah, oh, it, you yeah didn't that even, was wow. a really weird time. <laughs> yeah, Very yeah. weird time. Uh, well, I think it all worked out for you, didn't it, sir? <laughs> yeah, I love playing there. I love both cities. Excellent. Such an honor to welcome you. I believe our first Baseball Hall of Famer to the show. If people want to find out more about you or what you're up to, I know they can go to ballerdream.org to support that charity. Any other way people can find you? I do do Twitter occasionally. And, you know, like I said, I enjoy being retired and playing golf every day. Excellent. Well, we're so happy you made time for us, everybody. Greg Maddox. Thank you. Hall of Famer. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? It is a tight game, Jay Keith. At the end of that round, Victoria Gross has seven points and James Holtzauer has eight points. All right, it is now time for our final round. We call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Victoria and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point, and you may notice a subtle theme based on tonight's location. Again, the answer to each question... <laughs> The answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Victoria, Liberace was a famous Las Vegas entertainer. True. Correct. James, Liberace made his Las Vegas debut in 1994. False. Correct. Victoria, Liberace made his Las Vegas debut in 1964. Plausible. True. <laughs> Incorrect. James, Liberace made his Las Vegas debut in 1944. False. Incorrect. No, he really oh. did. At the last Frontier Hotel in oh, 1944. Okay. Victoria, Liberace's real name was Liberace. Uh, true. Correct. Yep, his last name. James, Liberace owned a patent. True. Correct. Victoria, the patent was for a piano. False. Correct. James, the patent was for a toilet. It's got to be true. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Victoria, the patent was for a toilet that glowed in the dark. False. Correct. James, the patent was for a toilet that had two seats. <laughs> really? You tell us. False. Correct. Victoria, the patent was for a toilet that played music. True. Incorrect. James, oh. the patent was for a toilet that had a candelabra. <laughs> False. Correct. Victoria, the patent was for a toilet attached to a Rolls Royce. <laughs> False. Correct. James, the patent was for a toilet attached to a slot machine. Really hope false? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Victoria, a toilet attached to a slot machine would definitely be popular in Las Vegas. <laughs> True. Correct. And finally, James, but you do not want to be around when it hits the jackpot. <laughs> True. Correct. All right, we're not going to count those last few. Let's give a nice hand to James Holtzauer and Victoria Gross as Helen tabulates our final score. By the way, the patent was for a retracting toilet that disappeared into a wall. <laughs> You've heard of the Murphy bed. Why not the Liberace toilets? <laughs> Helen, are you ready to announce the final score on today's show? I am. At the end of the game, Victoria Gross has 11 points and James Holtzauer has 12 points. Congratulations, James Holtzauer. You were the facting champion. A very high-scoring game for both of our contestants. James, what will you do with your championship? Oh, my goodness. I can't spend it all in one place. you got to parcel it out. <laughs> Got to parse it out. Yeah, invest in maybe some uh, low index funds. And yeah. All right. He's making fun of the fact that there's no prize. I get it. All right. We're going to give everyone here on the panel a chance to uh, mention and promote anything they might like. Victoria Gross, where can people find you and what you're up to? Uh, so I'm on Twitter as Grace with an O, but mostly I just wanted to say thank you for all of you uh, for coming and supporting Project 150. You know, very glad that all of you are here today. And we're very glad you're here today as well, Victoria Gross. What a pleasure. And I'm sorry we could only introduce you to two of your very oh favorite people. <laughs> I swear I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> Nor did we. It was a happy coincidence. No. Yes. Uh, James, where can people find you and what you're up to? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I want to say thank you. You know, we had this event all weekend to benefit Project 150, local organization, front house, homeless youth. If you have a chance to donate, project150.org. We'd love to get it. They do great work here. And thank you to everyone for coming to the Game Show Boot Camp. And thank you for having us on the show. Well, thank you so much for being here, James Holtzauer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are very, very lucky people because you are in the presence of my hosting partner, Ms. Helen Hong. Woo! Thank you. I 
have a comedy special out called Well Hong. It is on every streaming f- platform except Netflix. <laughs> Thanks, agents. Uh, <laughs> and that's why Netflix is declining in subscribers. <laughs> and you can also follow me on all the social medias at Funny Helen Hong. As you know, that other woman named Helen Hong, she's not funny. But she is. It's this one. It's Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Victoria Gross, James Holtz Howard, Kishi Bashi, and Greg Maddox, everybody here at Game Show Boot Camp, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for a schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on one of your favorite podcast platforms, like Cloud Ya did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, Helen Hong is the greatest. I wish we could be best friends. That's it. That's my review. <laughs> Thanks, Cloud. Yeah, Helen, what do you think? I love it. I would love a new best friend. Yay! Especially because that last one made me ride on the roller coaster. Ugh. <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the game show boot camp in Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our live show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needeth. Quiz. Quiz assistance provided by Bart Gold and Brian Phillips with Jennifer Sample, Serky, and Jack Yauchis. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Added support from Christine Vallada and Dave Bianchi. Special thanks to Paul Bailey and everyone at Game Show Bootcamp. Tyler Beckstrom at the Boris Corporation. Paige Maddox at BallerDream.org. Hector Silva at Chromatic PR. Michael Prisgocki at Priz Sound Company. Caitlin and Joshua Paxton. Dan Avila. Colt Cabana. Clint Tauscher and Sarah Rodenbaugh. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go watch 90s baseball! Really? Come on, you might like it. Sure. All right. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported